This is a Founding Media podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Apple A Day Doc Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Ram Dean, and we have a very special episode today. We have a Dr. Ruiz here, Andy Ruiz. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So he's from Stonegate Pharmacy here in Austin and San Antonio. We have a couple of pharmacies. Yes, sir. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is testosterone replacement therapy. This is a very popular topic right now, and there's a lot of questions that we're getting asked for in the internal medicine, Mm -hmm. primary care side of things, and I'm sure you as well, Andy, about this. All day. So I wanted to introduce Andy a little bit here and tell you um, why we're so lucky to have him today. He is actually a very critical resource to me um, for hormone replacement therapy and a lot of docs in the area. I know a lot of docs consult with you Mm -hmm. about things like mode of um, Mm -hmm. uh, prescriptions and and topical versus sublingual versus Mm -hmm. injection, and you you lecture quite a bit. Just Mm -hmm. want to tell uh, the audience a little bit about your background, and um, you're a partner at the Stonegate Pharmacies here in Austin and San Antonio, and um, co-founder of Endotech Solutions. Mm -hmm. What's Endotech Solutions? So Endotech is... uh a platform, a website that we streamline to where it empowers patients to just fill out a questionnaire and it kind of gives some feedback on where they are on their hormonal status. And then it connects them with uh, providers and pharmacists uh, throughout the United States. Uh, and then so it's really a patient empowerment tool. Excellent. Andy is very, very data-driven. I know that about him. He's always <laughs> talking true. about snippets and yeah. DNA. The more uh, data, logos. the better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. That's why I like him. And uh, Andy attended University of Texas at Austin for two years prior to entering the University of Texas at Austin College of Pharmacy, where he earned his doctor of pharmacy in 2008. Mm-hmm. After you finished that, he assisted in the design and implementation of the first combined Master of Science in Pharmacy and Community Pharmacy Residency. He was also the first trainee of the American <laughs> Society of Health System Practices uh, accredited residency. Completed um, and after completing that, um, the combined Master of Science residency program, you joined an independently far independent pharmacy in San Antonio, where you were the wellness director and pharmacist in charge, right, of a closed Correct. door specialty in home infusion pharmacy. Correct. We did it all. Yeah. It's not even a third of the way through what I'm I'm introducing you here. But in May of 2011, Andy moved to Austin here and um, soon after assumed his role as a business partner and pharmacist in charge at Stonegate Pharmacy. And as president, Andy oversees all operations of the Stonegate pharmacies. Um, He enjoys teaching academic, interprofessionally, intraprofessionally, and at the University of Texas at Austin College of Pharmacy, teaches both elective and didactic courses as an adjunct assistant professor. And Dr. Ruiz also serves as an adjunct assistant professor for Midwestern University College of Pharmacy and faculty preceptor for Incarnate Word University Fike School of Pharmacy. Are you getting tired, Andy? <laughs> well, addition, I got two kids now, so very <laughs> In addition, Andy lectures for various chemical companies on hormone replacement therapy, therapy for men and women, and he's a fellow and serves as an instructor for the American College of Apothecaries, where he teaches advanced courses in men's and women's health. And just to give you a little bit of his research background, in 2010, Andy published his ori- original research on bioidentical hormones, which is... 
you know, very common question right now about what is bioidentical, and we'll get into that. But prior to 2010, Andy published original research on infectious disease, served on the board of the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists Foundation, and served as the foundation's research committee chair. He's currently a member of the National Community uh, Pharmacist Association, Texas Pharmacy Association, American College of Apothecaries, and Alliance of Independent Pharmacists of Texas. Andy is also active in research, and his current research is focused on safety and efficacy of various routes of administration for bioidentical hormone replacement therapy in menopausal women. And he's hoping to start a new study on the utility of sublingual hormone replacement therapy. Having you said can all, joke, <laughs> my head's like going like this, so you feel free. <laughs> Having said all that, you can see why I, I feel really lucky to have Andy here today. That's all we're talking about today is hormone replacement, specifically with testosterone in men and women. If there's anybody I wanted to talk to about this, it was you, Andy. Not only I because, uh, absolutely, not only because of your background, but I know that just locally. Um, you are the main resource for <laughs> well, this among us. Well, positions. you have to work with the best. I mean, so, I mean, you practice what you preach and, you know, I can't do the things that I want to do if I don't get to work with the best and brightest out there. So I appreciate being here well, first and foremost. Thank you so much, Andy. And um, let's dive into it. And I, the it. first question I have, <laughs> one of the most common questions, especially when someone um, is a candidate or, or wondering if they're a candidate for testosterone, one of the first questions I get is, what does bioidentical mean? That's a great question because, um, you know, when I was first doing my research back in 2008 on, you know, what we call bioidentical hormones, uh, I was pretty lambasted for using that term because, you know, it's the best term that we use more, or I guess, very openly. Mm -hmm. uh, however, you know, if you want to get scientific, uh, uh, isomolecular would better maybe be mm -hmm. a better term or uh, uh, natural hormones. But to be fair, they're still synthesized as mm -hmm. most things that we have in our day-to-day uh, -day lives. Um, so it's not like I get your hormones, mm -hmm. pull them out of your blood mm -hmm. and give them to somebody else. Right. Uh, the reality is they're still chemically made in a lab mm -hmm. and they have to meet certain standards of purity um, to even be utilized. But all that the, the bioidentical hormones really mean are natural hormones that are identical to the hormones that our body produces. And our job as pharmacists is to advise and prepare medications uh, that they can be utilized in the most uh, physiological or natural means possible mm -hmm. uh, for your body. So this way they're metabolized properly, they're absorbed properly, and they're utilized properly throughout the body. So basically the more they look like the real thing, exactly. the more they'll act like the real exactly. thing. And can you tell me what the difference is between bioidentical testosterone, let's yeah. say, and testosterone maybe that are not let's, labeled? Yeah, so let's use like, a, you know, and there's a lot of natural hormone replacement therapy out there that is uh, commercially available. So when I mean commercially available, it's something that a big pharmaceutical company would make mm -hmm. uh, versus uh, what we make are custom medications, right, or compounded medications. Mm -hmm. um, and so as anybody's wondering what is a compounded medication or what's compounding, ask your grandparents what an apothecary is <laughs> <laughs> or Google yeah. apothecary. And you'll see this uh, this older gentleman in a white coat, uh, generally not behind glass like we do now or doors and a HEPA filter yeah, and whatnot right, right. now. But you see them mixing things. And that's, you know, for lack of better words, it's we're making things from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the... Bioidentical hormones come in commercially available forms like Viveldot, mm -hmm. uh, which is an estradiol patch, uh, or they can be compounded. So uh, there's there's different means, but 
di- uh, when we discuss the commercially available non-bioidentical, mm-hmm. uh, you have cypionate, right? Let's just mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. testosterone cypionate. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, uh, injection that's commercially available. By the way, that's one of the most common By routes for, of uh, right. administration. Is that injection? Yeah, and and if you think about it, what the the biggest difference is that cypionate ha- has um, um, for lack, it's called a conjugate. So it's mm-hmm. a salt form that's attached to it that your body has to cleave off, mm-hmm. right? That's not necessarily bad. If you think of B vitamins, they have to be activated. Mm-hmm. It's a similar fashion with testosterone cypionate. Uh, it has to be activated. Uh, the only caveat that you come into these types of parameters is um, if you think of the difference between estrogen and testosterone, if if I had a picture, I could show you mm-hmm. the the difference, which is almost. If you'd look at it, you'd think it's the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the layperson, almost a hundred percent of the time, it's like, oh, it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but those small changes in those uh, molecular structures can generally have a significant effect throughout the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our our uh, methodology with using bioidenticals is let's use exactly what the body produces, so this way we can provide that same natural outcome versus relying on genetic factors or or bacteria to cleave and break off these conjugates, um, which that's a whole different topic. But <laughs> so you start talking no, about the that's, genetics that's and really biology. Helpful. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is with bioidentical, you basically have these patients bypass a step exactly. towards a simplification. The effect. Right, right, right. So let's just keep it simple. Okay. And which is let's not rely on the body to activate things if, if unneeded. So let's say um, there's a patient that's deciding between a bioidentical here or a non-bioidentical there, and they're looking at price maybe, and, and they're wondering, okay, if I do this formulation that's not bioidentical and I have to, quote, you know, cleave that salt group off myself, what are some of the concerns or what should patients look out for? Who would be the types of patients that may not do as well because they did not choose the bioidentical? So in some cases, if they have uh, microbiome, so gut uh, digestive issues Mm -hmm. sometimes, which you're thinking, well, you're giving me an injection. Why would that matter? We rely on the bacteria... uh, in our in our uh, GI system to really convert a lot of hormones over mm-hmm. uh, and to recycle these hormones, right? So if you're having uh, uh, GI issues, mm-hmm. that could be a factor. Uh, in some cases, if you don't um, metabolize the hormones properly, so if you have, you know, we refer to as MTHFR mm-hmm. uh, conditions or other genetic factors, they may not be um, as a rapid converter. So it may stick around a little bit longer, or they may not utilize it as efficiency, or in some cases they may convert it more rapidly over to estrogen. Mm-hmm. Which and is that's is, an important two point, right. isn't it, Andy? Where the testosterone you take is peripherally converted or just mm-hmm. transformed into estradiol, Correct. which is an estrogen. And what you're saying is, you don't want that to happen too quickly because then you're going to have the exact opposite effects Correct. of testosterone. Correct. And so for you guys out there, they're like, man, I've been on testosterone and I felt like a rock star, maybe for the first two weeks, maybe the first month. And all of a sudden you had this regression. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance it's converting over to estrogen or it's not being metabolized appropriately. And, you know, we may talk about these things rather um, off the cuff or, mm-hmm. you know, simplified, but these are 
pretty advanced topics that, you know, as Dr. Ramdeen was saying, that we're still learning, we're still it's still evolving, the literature is still coming out. So how do we properly address these things? So um, it's important to empower yourself and to really start, you know, looking into what is my health? What is my genomics? What is my, how am I eating? Um, right. You and know. Since we're taking a deep dive here, I know we're right. on a tangent, but <laughs> right. it's, it's a really, another hole. really important question I get is, let's say you have someone, you know, the testosterone level looks great. They're doing well otherwise, but now their estradiol is creeping up and they might need to be on a blocker to prevent right. that. Talk about what, you know, what medication options, options they have. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and so I've had me myself personally, uh, mm-hmm. like Dr. Ramdeen was uh, uh, beautifully putting how I, over, you know, take on more than I should at times <laughs> with the intro. Uh, you know, stress can be uh, something that uh, induces our aromatization, right? So meaning that it converts over testosterone to estrogen. And uh, I myself have been a, a victim to that in the sense that it's self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, let's be real, it's not thing that you, mm-hmm. I can just go sit on the beach for a month or just right. relax and uh, it sounds nice, but, uh, you know, there's reality here. But at the same time... Um, as we convert over more testosterone to estrogen, one of the natural properties of estrogen is we crave sugars. Mm-hmm. We, it induces fat uh, lo- uh, deposits in our in our lower abdomen, upper hip. Um, so it's this uh, adding fuel to the fire that's just not easily uh, just take the bull by the horns kind of concept. You have to uh, be active and conscious of the decisions we're making to further address this. And in some cases, medications are very necessary. So, uh, you know, we, we see medications like clom- uh, anastrozole or mm-hmm. letrozole. Mm-hmm. And what these are, they're called aromatase uh, inhibitors, right? So you're preventing the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. However, uh, like uh, Dr. Ramdeen was alluding to, estrogen is very important in men as well as women. So uh, in, in men, if we don't, if, if we drop our, testo- our estradi- estradiol too rapidly or too much, it may prevent uh, ejaculation. It may prevent climax. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could cause lower lumbar osteopenia. Uh, so, which you know, osteoporosis in the in our lower back kind of thing. Uh, so, these medications are important, but under the supervision of a skilled practitioner such as Dr. Ramdeen, right. uh, that we want to make sure that uh, we're keeping a close eye on these things. We're not just buying them off the internet and popping them because I'm trying to lean up because right. the outcomes can be rather detrimental from even a cardiovascular perspective. So Right, um, and decreasing your estrogen too much. And, and basically right. what you're saying, Andy, is that obviously you don't want your estrogen level to be high or estradiol Correct. level to be high, but you don't want to overdo it in suppressing its formation. Correct. And um, the best way to do that would be to use the lowest possible dose as infrequently as possible. You got it. So you don't just blast it down, see a low estradiol level and be like, yep, we're good on this dose. (laughs) You nailed it. It's the whole uh, start low and go slow philosophy. So you we're fine tuning it. And and that's where... um, you know, our society as a whole may kind of work against us, that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Some things that are worth it are worth waiting for. So as we titrate up, to be patient, to be Mm -hmm. understanding that this is a process. Um, And is there a dose and frequency you find work well for men and women to start like an aromatase inhibitor? Yes, that's a great question because like, uh, well, First and foremost, there there are certain um, products that are com- are out there that are natural supplements that are touted um, for uh, blocking aromatization, um, and the natural supplements are out there 
truthfully, while there's been some anecdotes, and you'll see it all over the website, all over the internet, there there have not been proven to be effective in the literature. So, can you give us some examples? Of um, <laughs> so, I actually, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm talking, right? But the the one I'm thinking of comes from Passion Flower. Um, uh, Chrysan. Yep. I was like, what is this? Uh, Chrysan. So <laughs> right. it, it is advertised all over the internet, all over <clears throat> the health stores. The reality is, so I, one of the courses I, I used to teach was the supplements course for men's health. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted passionately to prove that there is something out there that works. It's natural <laughs> like right. that. And I could not find it. So I had a bias, right? I'm like, it's got to work. There's got to be something. Uh, you know, like let's use Chrysan as an example. I'd rather leave that beautiful plow- flower of a passion fruit alone mm-hmm. rather than destroy it mm-hmm. to get Chrysan. Uh, because what the research has shown that while it works in, in, in uh, vitro studies, meaning in a Petri dish where mm-hmm. they destroy the cell membrane, expose the inner enzymatic reactions, it doesn't work in humans or in mm. vivo, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you read in vivo studies. Uh, so when you when that happened, uh, tons of research showed, well, in human body, you either don't absorb it or it's not working. So the reality is those natural supplements haven't really been shown to be effective with regard to stopping aromatization. Um, Can you talk about DIM a little bit too, so Andy, and how I was this falls just, into Yeah, it? <laughs> I was just going to say, DIM and some of the other... Um, and what does that stand for? Uh, d- Do you know? So it's a <laughs> diindustal of... Met, uh, it's okay. It, it, it's it's a, basically it's a glorif- it's a, a concentrated broccoli extract, right? And, and it has a, an inositol in it uh, component, which you you'll see more and more come out, such as choline is, mm-hmm. as well, right? So choline meaning found in eggs, uh, you find high concentrations of inositol and derivatives thereof in broccoli. Uh, and what those do is they really do help the estrogen go down the proper channels. And what I mean by channels is, you, is your body's metabolizing these hormones. Uh, think of it as a fork, mm-hmm. right? So if it's a fork facing downwards and the hormones are being metabolized down, specifically estradiol, right? The most mm-hmm. physiologically active estrogen in both men and women. Uh, you want it to go down that left pathway, that 2-hydroxo pathway. And that mm-hmm. pathway is, in, is initiated by DIM. Mm-hmm. So DIM is a great starting tool in going down that pathway. As that pathway f- uh, veers off to that left fork with a healthy side, mm-hmm. it splits again. So here's where the other cofactors that you were alluding to mm-hmm. come into place, such as manganese, such as copper, such as N-acetylcysteine mm-hmm. or cysteine, which is another uh, essential amino acid throughout the, our whole uh, absorption of green leafy vegetables, right? Uh, so eating, this is where this whole eating healthy comes into play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because if you think about uh, Brussels sprouts, or spinach or any other green leafy vegetable that is grown in the dirt, it's it's absorbing these nutrients such as manganese, manganese copper, zinc, uh, selenium. Um, the list can go on and on of all these B vitamins that are just grown and in, in nourished and in, in, in really amplified in these vegetables. Um, so it's important to eat as much of that as possible, but supplementing our diet with those things as well to ensure that we're having the proper uh, me- metabolism. So this is where that genomic aspect comes into play in, mm-hmm. the, in the larger complexity of what we'll refer to as pharmacogenomics of how are we metabolizing our hormones properly. And, and DIM was um, 
a, a huge groundbreak into mm-hmm. that direction. And, mm-hmm. and it's been around for a very long time. And to be fair, we had some idea, but it was uh, positive anecdotes that were accepted in the profession of, hey, DIM works kind of like ashwagandha. We don't yeah. know how it yeah. works, but it, it does. And someday we'll find out. But this is one of the few that we'll anecdotally recommend. And now the research is just blowing up on mm-hmm. it and it's amazing um and now with such as uh, providers such as dr ramdeen who can go in and start looking at genomics and identifying your testosterone levels on point mm-hmm. but now we're looking at your genetic factors to understand why you may not be responding ideally and let's fine-tune those things right. uh, and so it's that collaborative effort that team effort that that he was referring to that um we learn from each other. And that's so important. Yeah. I talk to Andy all the time, you know, especially when exactly. it's a new patient. We do strategize, you know, what's the latest exactly. research? What do their genetics look like? What are their levels? And even the mode of um, administration, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about yeah. in a little bit. But let's zoom out of the weeds yeah. for a little <laughs> right. bit so everyone's head right. can stop hurting and exactly. go to them. Who, a question I wanted to ask, too, is who's a good candidate for replacement therapy? So, you know... The, the the prime candidate that you that we uh, I guess textbook candidate mm-hmm. right would be um, a male generally the uh, let's just say testosterone generally over the age of fifty five that has a serum testosterone total testosterone under three hundred and expresses certain symptomatology which will also get a free testosterone on right mm-hmm. um, reality right? Uh, there's various ranges of candidates. And it can be as young as, as the 30s when that uh, mm-hmm. individual is really entering their professional careers and lives and stress is catching up with them, age is catching up mm-hmm. with them. And I always joke that once I pass 30, that's when I noticed things were yeah. starting to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it yeah. was, uh, it, it, it's really hard to, to identify, to be what, fair. What, uh, on how to treat them, even um, right. um, I'm sure when you're seeing the patients, and you're like this this individual screaming low yeah. testosterone. And and you're right. It, the the reason why it's so hard to answer is because this is a multifactorial assessment. It's yeah. not just oh your number's two ninety nine, boom <laughs> right. testosterone, right? Right. So because there's a range, it's yeah. about three hundred to eight hundred, right. you know, and, and there's you know symptoms like low libido, low energy, loss of lean muscle mass, increased fat, you know, concentration difficulties. There's plus, you know, the number that you see. Exactly. So I really do have to put the whole picture together. To you nailed determine. it. And, and aside from that, you know, looking at risk factors, like do they have really bad uncontrolled sleep apnea? Do they right. have blood clots, DVTs, PEs, prostate issues? That might preclude you at least temporarily until you get those things under control from doing that. So it is not just Here's your number. Correct. Here's your testosterone. You really do have to look at everything. Correct. And and take and take the healthcare into your own hands yeah. because providers such as Dr. Ramdeen can only do so much. They can provide the tools to to patients as myself when I experience these things. But if I didn't take, uh, you know, the proverbial bull by its horns or mm-hmm. life under control, then his hands are tied. So it is a true team, not just pharmacist, physician, nurse practitioner, whoever it may be, but truly the patient being an in the center of that team because they're they're the quarterback, if you will, of how we're going to go with Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And and you mentioned men, but this is 
um, growing in, in terms of use for women too, right? Definitely. Talk about that. So, you know, just like estrogen in men, at first mm-hmm. it was uh, like, why would you even talk about that? Right. right. But it is right. very important in, in men. Uh, but same thing with women. If uh, their testosterone, so let's just simply put, as a woman goes through menopause, mm-hmm. uh, their ovaries uh, cease to function, right? So testosterone is produced in the ovaries. Um, without testosterone, their cardiovascular uh, uh, con- uh, disease uh, risk goes up. Um, their sex life is dem- their quality of life in general is just uh, affected as well. So it, that affects their relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about oh male and testosterone and, and their libido. Right. Right. Uh, that also right. has an effect in women's health too. So uh, you you know. You and I have talked about mm-hmm, that. You can't mm-hmm. necessarily try to fix one without right. helping fix the other. Right. So um, in, in women, um, you, you're seeing all different types of forms being utilized for mm-hmm. testosterone, whether it be an injection or sublingual or a pellet or a cream. Um, there's just been all different forms and, and avenues for uh, treatment of these conditions as well that are just being utilized significantly. Right, right. And so... I, yeah, I just wanted to mention that that this is a problem that yeah, women and it, have too, and it's yeah, it was when, it when wasn't you, too taboo, but maybe even five years ago it was right. like okay, it's coming out. Where is this going? What does this mean? But um, it's been pretty established and pretty uh, throughout the medical literature and as mm-hmm. well as in the healthcare community that this this is important that we just have to properly work it up and and uh, monitor it with a skilled provider such as Dr. Amdi. Right, right, and um, so. What are some of the, we talked about some of the risks, but obviously benefits, and and I wanted to reiterate the risks, you know, if you are thinking about doing this or already on it, you really should know about your prostate health. I like to check a PSA or a a prostate level on your blood test. If it's going up, then we're going to have to either reduce it, stop it, have you see a urologist. Um, And uh, if you have sleep apnea and it's not controlled, or if it was previously controlled, and now you're on testosterone and that's getting worse, that's another red flag that we need to kind of pull back or, or pause what we're doing. And then- but That's the, a great point though, because a lot of men think testosterone fixes my sleep apnea. It, right. can, it can also have the, the opposite effect, like you're saying. So that's a great point that you brought up. Right, with the testosterone, you can have weight loss, which would be beneficial for your right. sleep apnea, but you know, <laughs> right. it can also harm you. And um, stimulation of erythropoiesis, you mm-hmm. know, thickens your blood, increases your hemoglobin and hematocrit, and that can uh, cause you to have blood clots, DVTs Correct. in your legs or Correct. blood clots in your lungs or a pulmonary embolism. So if you've already had those things or you're, predisposed to having those things, these are definitely something you need to go over with your doc. Correct. Or even cancers, um, like estrogen receptor positive breast cancers, for example, if you're going to be converting that testosterone to estradiol and now your estrogen levels are high, you you don't want to run that risk and not tell your doctor in advance. You may not even be a candidate. To, to tell you the truth. Well, and you know, and what's what's interesting is this is where I think these genetic tests are coming into play, even for men, is I learned I was a carrier for breast cancer. And, you know, you don't think of that in men generally, uh, but men can develop breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, what if I have a daughter? Mm-hmm. Does she inherit those mm-hmm. genes? Does she mm-hmm. inherit that risk? Um, so it is important to think about uh, the immediate, but as well as long-term effects and discussing that with your doctor, your provider, and to really understand, hey, you know, where where am I in this whole uh, spider web of endocrine? Yeah. Uh, and uh, am I a candidate for testosterone or any hormones in general for it? And if not, what can be done? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and let's talk about the benefits now. So why yeah. take it? Yeah, I mean, well, as you know, like I said earlier, testosterone, let's just say it improves the overall quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also helps overall with uh, cardiovascular uh, cardiovascular yeah. disease, yeah. osteoporosis. Yeah. And um, so the effects that it has are, are broad reaching, uh, not to mention that if you if you take away uh, testosterone, you generally in men specifically, you generally take away estrogen. Mm-hmm. So it's not just so colorectal cancer goes up. So you really have to think about how does this affect the overall state of the body because they they have a an intricate working relationship. I mean it's uh it's almost like the holy trinity with the estradiol, testosterone and progesterone because progesterone is critical in men as well. Right. Uh so <clears throat> it, we don't really think of those interactions together but that those three together either convert or interact with each other. Right. And what I, I like what you're saying again here too, Andy, is because we're trying to educate on this, but it's still super complicated, right? <laughs> Very. And so you need to look at everything. And, and one thing I'll just say as a side note is that um, sometimes people are, are doing this without any medical supervision. You know, yeah. They're getting testosterone from a friend or something like that. Obviously, we don't want you to do that. And, Correct. But when someone like that comes in, Obviously, have them stop it because because there's other labs that are Correct. off. Their cholesterol may be off. Their liver function, their kidney exactly. function, their estradiol may be off the charts. And and I actually got a call from a colleague last weekend, um, for, who's a hospitalist, and they know that you know I, I this is all I do right. all day. So they called me because a young guy's in his early 50s, had a stroke, testosterone level was off the charts, was getting it from his friend. And so there we go with that stimulation of the erythropoiesis causing your blood to clot and it may manifest as a heart attack, not that it causes cardiovascular disease, but it can totally block off that blood vessel that's feeding your heart. And that can happen anywhere. It can happen in your brain, can be a stroke. So you do not want to do this and say, oh, my testosterone level is great. There's so many other things that we need to look out for when you're, for, when you're done. Exactly. And for men, yeah. I mean, let's get real. Like he's saying, it can start anywhere. Mm-hmm. Think of your microvascular. ED generally is a first sign of a mi- microvascular concern. So if you're taking testosterone, it's uncontrolled, it's unsupervised. It can lead to ED in some regard if you're thickening your blood and mm-hmm. it clogs up that microvasculature. Uh, so if, if that's what will help you think about, hey, maybe I need to go see a doctor, right. please, this yes. is a risk. You know, so let's right. just get real there. And, and when um, you say microvascular, those little blood the vessels, The little right? tiny that, blood vessels. And exactly. And so I just want to stress, yeah, no, no, just want to stress the importance of monitoring and not just saying, okay, I'm taking testosterone. I went to some random lab. My testosterone right. level's high. I feel awesome. Right. N- no. Right. That, that is not the whole story. And you may get really permanently hurt yourself if you have a stroke or a heart attack and we Correct. just don't want you to do that. And, you know, and, and you know, for myself, like I'm, I'm a young guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go see my provider regularly and, you know, I talk to my family and they're like, you're healthy. What's the deal? And it's because it's important to just monitor, to be taken care of and to ensure that overall health is being uh, supervised. Absolutely. And, um, you alluded to the modes of therapy, Andy. Can you talk about the different ways testosterone can be administered? Yeah, the most common, I'd say, are injection, creams, and sublingual tablets now, okay. or, or buquels, what we'll call them, mm-hmm. where you put them in either between your cheek or under your tongue. Um, 
And when I say injection, it, that can even include a pellet to just simplify okay. the overall. Sure. Um, but the most common probably right now is injection. W- when you do the topical routes, mm-hmm. do you feel like absorption issues are... Or is absorption an issue <laughs> in terms of mo- lab monitoring? It, it totally de- yeah. That's a can of worms. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like that question. Uh, so if use the if done properly, mm-hmm. we can overcome these barriers to some regard. But the skin is a barrier. The skin is designed to protect and keep things in and out. So when we put things on our skin intending to absorb in, mm-hmm. we have to understand we're trying to bypass a barrier, the biggest organ in our body. Uh, so I'm not a massive fan of topical. That's mm-hmm. how I first started, mm-hmm. though. So I mm-hmm. have utmost respect for that route of delivery. And in some cases, it works phenomenal. Um, but right. that's where I take the cues from the patient, because if that's the route they want, then that's kind of what we're going with. Uh, and right. that's my our job is when you say, hey, they want this, here's their level, what can we do? We try to figure out how can we bypass the skin? How can can we penetrate through the skin to get that desired outcome and educate as much as possible to do the pros and cons that we're going to try our best. If it doesn't work, let's be open to another okay. means. And, and one common question I get to just with the sublingual or the buckle versus injection or mm-hmm. pellet is, is this going to be harmful to my liver? That's a great question. Because yeah. some of the early 1950s mm-hmm. studies uh, on methyl testosterone, ironically, it was on three patients, I believe, uh, had demonstrated uh, liver toxicity when swallowing. Uh, the reality is when given in a trubucal or sublingual fashion, it bypasses the liver 100% because of the vascularity in the oral mucosa or our mouths. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have about conservative 90% absorption. The rest of it is metabolized. We have similar enzymes in our mouth that we do in our stomach that are in, inert and active, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they don't hurt us. So the absorption is phenomenal, um, and it is very different from oral, and I think that's something that uh, as patients, uh, need, we all need to understand the difference of that, of sublingual from oral. Excellent, excellent. And talk about how the, talk about the importance of a balanced regimen for optimal outcomes. No, that's a great point because even with my provider with extreme stress, um, mm-hmm. if I have sleep disturbances or my life is just full of stress, mm-hmm. then I will utilize progesterone because of the neuronal uh, properties of uh, protection that it provides for the down feeding into testosterone that it uh, provides. So it is important for a balanced regimen. And when I monitor my hormones because of stress, mm-hmm. that I may not have too high of testosterone or too low of estrogen or not enough progesterone, per mm-hmm. se. But mm-hmm. it, that's in men. So thinking about the female body and the complexities of it, of when we're drawing the labs, of when we're looking at these levels, and overall, how is it a balanced regimen to ensure the overall um, uh, teamwork of these hormones, right? Because mm-hmm. they're a team. They're working for for us to optimize our health. And talking about balancing and the intermingling of hormones, uh, just coming up with all these common questions, but particularly men will say, hey, do I need to be on HCG too? Or even women may ask, I heard HCG causes weight loss. Talk yeah. about HCG. So HCG is interesting. And in its most simplest terms, it mimics um, luteinizing hormone, which comes from our pituitary uh, that both men and women secrete. 
it's in men it stimulates our testes to secrete more testosterone mm-hmm. where here comes the weight loss that's why women and men who have uh, in a couple have done it together they say well, my husband's lost more mm-hmm. well we're producing more testosterone and generally we have a higher metabolic effect with that regard uh, and women chances are if they've gone through menopause HCG would have minimal effectiveness mm-hmm. uh, whereas if they're uh, still ovulating still uh, having a menstrual cycle you'll have that effectiveness but we do have to mon- like you said monitor the hormones mm-hmm. because Mm-hmm. what if all of a sudden you're producing too much estrogen and it, in comparison to the testosterone, will you have that same weight loss? And that's why some women respond to it better than others. So it's a shotgun approach. And in some regards, it'll work. And others, we just have to monitor more closely. My personal thought about particularly with men asking me this is that is, are you looking to have more children? You know, you is fertility it. an issue? Nailed it. Because, you're, you know, if you're just doing exogenous testosterone or, or injecting or however the route is, you can shut down, like you said, the testes. Nailed and if it. you're trying to reproduce, trying to have a kid. Can't do that. You, right. <laughs> so you need to be able to do to take the HCG becomes critical there to boost your sperm count. Correct. And increases your chances of fertility. But if you're not doing that, Right. If you're not interested in having more children just to do HCG to boost your testosterone, which we can correct by titrating your testosterone, correct. doesn't really make much sense to no. me to add a whole nother agent. Correct. And a whole list like of you side nailed effects. early. Like yeah. keep it simple. Right. Let's start slow and go. Uh, start low and go slow. Mm-hmm. And you nailed it. We can use testosterone to just to do that if there's not interested in in having children. So, and in some cases we've combined it because some men, and let's not take it for granted, but there's a vanity effect of like I don't right. want my testicles to shrink. Sure. So then, like maybe we combine a little bit of HCG to maintain the testicular function. Mm-hmm. But uh, like you nailed earlier, if Let's just keep it simple. I'm a huge fan of keeping things simple. And what doses do you find work well as a starting point for HCG? So if it's like border, like symptomatic, Mm -hmm. low testosterone, but the levels are still technically normal and it's just stress induced Mm -hmm. and maybe 500 I use Monday through Friday or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. It's important to take a break with HCG to allow that pituitary function to kick in and to rebound. You don't want to just shut down your pituitary. And how often do you recommend cycling like that? Uh, you know, there's some men that'll uh, do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday for a long time, and that is the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. They're like mini cycles. Right. Then there's some men that'll use it Monday through Friday, on a, on a month, off a month, uh, and just go that route. So it's kind of uh, patient specific, like you're as long saying. as you're giving a break, a break, to your correct? Yeah, yeah. And then, like you said, for fertility, it may be up to three thousand I use. Yeah. So yeah. it just really yeah. depends on the state of that individual and where it's been titrated to. Right, right, right. And um, finally, I wanted to talk a little bit about any distinctions in your mind that you see between men and women when it comes to testosterone replacement. Is there anything you specifically want women to know or specifically want men to know that may be different? There's generally a factor of... uh 10 to 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah. all of a sudden you're getting, well, my doctor prescribed 200 mg per mil of an injection, generally you're supposed to get 20 mg per mil. Mm-hmm. So if you all of a sudden see that this is what I'm, per- and you do a quick search or what have you, and check us because we're human. We mm-hmm. make mistakes. Mm-hmm. It can get through the pharmacy. It can accidentally be sent over an error. and But we help each other. We check each other. But it happens. Uh, so, you know, check that dose and don't be scared to ask us. Um, side effects wise, you're, you know, if all of a sudden you're getting lots of hair, dark thickening hair as a female, 
that's a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're starting to all of a sudden have a deeper voice mm-hmm. or uh, testosterone can cause clitoral thickening, right? So if you're applying it to the vaginal area for sexual stimulation, that can happen. So if you're experiencing those, tell your doctor. Uh, men, uh, if we all of a sudden start gaining weight and start mm-hmm. having uh, breast enlargement, uh, becoming apathetic, meaning we just don't care, there's a sign we could be converting over to estrogen. Uh, or if we're not urinating properly, our prostate could be coming inflamed. So tell your provider immediately. Um, so you know, just off the top of the head. Excellent. Yeah, those are and some. And w- one uh, practical question. Uh, point that you uh, noted that was important for me is that the concentrations are very different for men and women. So you may have a 200 milligrams per ml concentration of cypionate for a gentleman, but 20 milligrams per ml for a woman. So significantly weaker. But the reason why it's important from a practical standpoint is because for example, a man might be drawing up one ml for an injection, but then you have a woman drawing up point one five or point exactly. zero. So if you use a high concentration, just drawing up the correct volume is going to be really difficult. So now they're getting varying doses from correct. week to week and you don't know how to titrate it. So it's important to go down to a lower concentration right. so they that's can drop comp- one ML too. Right. right. That's where compounding, so that's where comes, into compounding comes into play. Yeah. Into play. yeah. And, and yeah. we're human too. I've worked with some advanced medical specialists that have... Mm-hmm. Accidentally, instead of taking 0.25, took 2.5. It happens. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's the important thing is that we catch it early enough, fix it, and move on to to learn from it. But, um, yeah, that's where compounding comes into play with really isolating down what's the best mode of uh, administrating the medication. Yeah. Excellent. Anything else you want to say, Andy, about testosterone or... Uh, do you want to maybe join a couple more committees on here? Definitely. Or? Oh, yeah. No, this has been great. I mean, as my mother would say, you can talk for days. <laughs> so, well, we'll have you back so you definitely, can talk Definitely. No, I appreciate but, that. But uh, Dr. Andy Ruiz, thank you so much from Stonegate Pharmacies. Um, we'll definitely have him back. I'd like to thank Founding Media for hosting us. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys, and we'll see you thank next you time. Thank you very much. The Apple a Day Doc Talk podcast team includes me, Dr. Ram Dean, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you to everyone at Founding Media for your support. The Apple a Day Doc Talk is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at RamDeanMD, spelled R-A-M-D-E-E-N-M-D or check out the link to my YouTube channel and website in the show notes. Thanks for listening.